I think was was there last week. So I am on location today. I'm at the home studio. Got uh, got got some things to attend to immediately following the show. Dan is in the studio. Uh, Drew is there. Brian should be in soon if he's not already there. Yeah, we're, we're going to have Brian Matthews soon. I wanted to let you bring it in, Bill. I was sort of struggling with that decision right before. And then I uh, I, I decided to switch out uh, headphones. And while I was switching out the headphones, <laughs> you, you went ahead and brought it in. And, and well, you know it, what it is. I mean, I, I heard the music playing. It's like, hey, somebody needs to be saying something. So, so I don't have any problem. I don't have any problem with that. You can bring us in and out, um, you know, through most of the show, that's fine with me, but uh, it's, it's good to have everybody here, and, and I think we're all feeling pretty well. Uh, the, the Auburn, I think the Auburn family is feeling better than they were this past week. We'll, we'll get to that. We're going we're gonna to change things around a little bit today because Cadillac Williams has changed the practice schedule for Auburn. We mentioned that a little last week. Whereas, you know, we had had press conferences on Monday because and Monday had been a day off. Well, now Monday is a practice day. Auburn going to hit the practice field in a little while. So we're going to be uh, joining uh, John Samuel Schenker, our regular Tiger Takes, right here at the outset of the show. That's right. We're thrilled to welcome in uh, John Samuel Schenker uh, as part of the, uh, the the Tiger Take segment we do every Monday as part of the Also Brook Law Group. We really appreciate uh, their patronage and their their continued sponsorship of this segment. And I was uh, I was on the Max Roundtable earlier today, uh, Bill, and I and I was saying one of the really memorable things about this season for me is going to be the way that the uh, player leadership on this team was willing to stand in front of microphones and answer questions virtually whenever it was asked. And that includes our guest, Auburn captain and tight end John Samuel Schenker, who we're pleased to welcome in for Tiger Takes at the beginning of the show. And and John Samuel, I imagine a, a memorable season uh, continued uh, Saturday right. night. And, and in... I would wonder, like, what stood out to you, you know, as far as what, what you're going to remember about Auburn's victory over Texas A&M on Saturday, because it really was a remarkable, uh, a remarkable scene uh, Saturday night for, for Cadillac Williams' first home game as the Auburn interim coach. It was, and um, just the ability to, um, to have that experience uh, one last time this season um, in the SEC environment, um, it was really when I stepped off the bus for Tiger Walk, I was just taken back at at the support that we had just at Tiger Walk. Um, it felt like an Iron Bowl, um, just from the energy standpoint. Uh, we stepped off, and um, you know that night it, it will be special. It will go down as one of the best environments <laughs> I've been in uh, in college, and um, and rightfully so. Just how the fans they, they love Auburn and. Um, you know, with everything that's happened and how everyone's responded um, in a positive manner, it's, it's really awesome to see. And uh, I was kind of taken back right before kickoff uh, just at the environment that we were in. And, you know, four weeks ago, we, we probably wouldn't have that environment um, this past weekend just with everything that was going on. And um, to be able to have that one more time before um, the end of this regular season is, is really special. Yeah, John Samuel, it, it really was an amazing thing to to just behold and be a part of. Now, one of the things we, we've heard it from the perspective of Coach Lack, I mean, how how much it meant to him to have so many former teammates. But I wondered to you guys, to the players, that had to really be something to see the support that he got 
from his former teammates there. Just talk about what that meant to you guys. Yeah, that was that was something that I was so impressed with was, you know, we come in from warm-ups and we're just sitting there and, and all of his former teammates come walking in and um, they're all chatting it up and, you know, um, walking around, getting everybody fist bumps. And you can see the love that they have for, for Auburn and they have for each other. Um, and, you know, throughout that time, it was about 15 minutes there. Um, they were just walking around, talking to us and, um, just the support that Coach Lack got, I mean, it, it brought him back a little bit, and um, rightfully so. And that just shows, you know, what, what these relationships do down the road. And they never really fade, especially in, t- in tough times, um, which we have been in. Uh, so it, it's, it was really, really awesome to, to see and be a part of um, there in the locker room before and after the game. John Samuel, so, so much has seemed different uh, from the outside since Cadillac Williams was named uh, the interim head coach. And, and you, we, we've seen on the field now against Mississippi State and against Texas A&M. Let's start with, with the offense, uh, the, the run game the, these last few weeks. I don't know if it's all that surprising that a team led by Cadillac Williams uh, would want to emphasize uh, the ground game. But I think the uh, – I don't want to get the statistic wrong. Uh, it was the first time Auburn had two running backs, both over 100 yards since the 2009 season. I believe it's been a while, and Auburn's had some pretty impressive tailback tandems in the time uh, since, I want to say it was Ben Tate and Ontario McCaleb, uh, both went over 100 yards in the same game, in an SEC conference game. Uh, you know, f- first time in a while, but but you guys were able to achieve that. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, how the run game performed uh, Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, the first half, I think we rushed for over 200 yards. Uh, and So, that was the plan going in uh, ever since Coach Black took over, you know, that that's his thing, and rightfully so, is we're going to run the football. That's how you win football games. And, um, you know, early, you know, we were clicking, but it seemed like we would we would stall there um, going in. We wouldn't get points, but we, we could tell that we were controlling the game in pretty much every aspect there early. Um, and, yeah, to, to have two guys go over 100 is pretty awesome. Uh, that, that definitely does not happen a lot, um, especially with the offense that we play and the pro style at, to have two guys touch the ball and have that much impact was really um, awesome to be a part of. And, you know, those guys are both awesome and great running backs. So not super surprising to see that from from my perspective, but um, definitely a cool thing to be a part of. Now, the the weather Saturday, it was chilly. It was cold. Uh, But – but the wind, I mean, the wind was really whipping. I mean, the, the flag there at the top of the stadium looked like it was, uh, you know, on a board because it stood out so strong. How much did that uh, impact the passing and, and for you guys down there on the field? How much did it appear that it was impacting, you know, the, the kicking game as well? I mean, you're going with a, uh, a brand-new kicker, Alex McPherson, getting his first shot, came up with two field goals. But I'm sure the wind had a little impact on on some of those kicks as well as as passes and punts. Yeah, it, it was pretty strong. Uh, you could tell in punts and things like that, especially some of Oscar's. He had a good game, but um, you know some of those kicks that we were trying to get inside the red zone, they would go to like the ten or eleven instead of five or six. And I think that was strictly just wind. I mean, you can only play it um, you know so well, so. Uh, it did have a big impact in that, and I really thought it did on, on deep balls. You didn't see teams really go deep a whole lot because that ball would kind of do its own thing if it got up in the air for long enough. So 
Uh, I, I think it did play an impact in the game. Um, and, you know, when you're catching, we were catching balls pregame and that ball was still doing some crazy things. So I think that was part of it. Um, knowing that we weren't going to be able to go deep really just with the conditions, um, that night. John Samuel, you mentioned when we were talking about the run game a little bit earlier, you know, there was the, it was the plan going in and I, I don't want to, uh, short, the, the credit that the philosophy and the blocking deserves, but it seems to me like Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are two of the most uh, outstanding players on the team. And, and the progression Jarquez has made uh, over the last few games has been really noticeable, too. He's become you know m- maybe the most explosive offensive option on the team. Just talk a little bit about what you've seen uh, fr- from the two tailbacks uh, this season, and especially in, in the game since uh, Cadillac Williams took over as head coach. Yeah, I think throughout the year, um, you know, they probably didn't get enough touches uh, early on, and that that created issues. And uh, so that that was a that was part of you know when Cadillac came, he he wanted to make sure that didn't happen uh, and to use um, the talent that we have the best of our ability, and that that's what we did. And um, I think you see that week in and week out, and they're they're two of the best in the country. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, Tank. Um, I guess as the leader of that room, he's been here the longest and really successful. And then you got Jarquez, who's um, just an unbelievable player and um, a great teammate as well. So um, two guys with a lot of respect, especially in the locker room. And um, it, was, it was really cool to see those guys uh, this past Saturday do what we all see them do every day. Talking with John Samuel Schenker, the Auburn captain, as part of the Also Brook Law Group Tiger Take segment that we do every Monday here, and and moving to the the defensive line a little bit. I mean, to me, that's I mean the performance of and again it's a team wide effort, but Colby Wooden and, and what we saw from him on on Saturday night. I mean that that was a spectacular performance. I mean by a guy who has has had some great games in his career. You got a, a front row seat to see the defense uh, perform Saturday night against Texas A and M. What 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 stood out to you? Yeah, we started um, the injury and stuff on the D line. We started to move guys around and. Uh, Colby was one of those guys. He's just he he's got the body type where he can, he can really move inside and out and still be dominant. And so it's really hard to game plan for a guy that you don't really know where he's going to be at all the time. So and I thought Coach Mang did a great job of of doing that and hiding him well. Uh, but yeah, him and Derek Hall, Marcus Harris. I mean, those guys are the real deal. Um, they're a nightmare for most offensive lines, um, and, and they've done that the last few games just get to the quarterback really, really fast and making the quarterback make decisions. And that, that quarterback's young, so um, I'm sure things were flying around pretty fast for him uh, Saturday night. John Sam, you mentioned uh, Saturday night was the last conference home game. Last home game, I, I know it's got to be emotional when you when you think about it, uh, but but now you, you, you've got the, uh, the losing streak snapped. Um, you, you've got an opportunity to... Uh, to try to get another win and extend the season, you know, make yourself bowl eligible. Just some of the thoughts as you head into the Western Kentucky game this week. Yeah, well, first of all, they're they're a really good team. I mean, their their offense puts up a lot, a lot of points. So we're we're going to have to play really well this this weekend. Um, this is not a not an off game for us, but it is um, a special game. Uh, the last one at home and. Uh, just being able to play here and have the privilege of doing so, it's, uh, I'm sure it'll hit me when I get there. I haven't thought too much about it yet. Um, 
But I'm sure once I step on the field one last time that um, that will hit me uh, and just soak it in and, and play as hard as I can, knowing that it's my last time there. And um, that that that'll probably be the way I go about it um, heading into into Saturday's game. Well, well, John Samuel, I, I I'm reluctant to speak for you know a, a large percentage of the Auburn fan base, but I think I can comfortably say like you have you've represented yourself extremely well on and off the field and it's been a pleasure to get to do this all season long we look forward to, i know the season's not over we're going to talk to you a few more times but uh but yeah congratulations uh, before you play your uh your, your final home game congratulations on an outstanding auburn career well thank you guys it's you know it's a privilege to play here it's not many people get to do it so um every time you get to play here at auburn every game it's it's a privilege, and I've tried to treat it like that um, for for what it is. So um, it's been an honor um, to play here. Talking with John Samuel Schenker for the uh, for for one of the final times we'll uh, we'll do this. Tiger takes brought to you uh, by our friends at the Alsobrook Law Group, Auburn and Western Kentucky this Saturday, Senior Day, and the uh, final home game of the season for the 2022 uh, Auburn Tigers. John Samuel, we will talk to you again uh, very soon. Uh, but good luck on Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. Absolutely. John Samuel Schenker joining us at a special time uh, for uh, Tiger Takes. We've uh, moved uh, the practice schedule around a little bit uh, in the uh, in the aftermath of uh, some of the uh, uh, yeah, with with the new the new practice schedule implemented by Auburn interim head coach uh, Cadillac Williams. Brian Matthews uh, from AuburnSports.com uh, walked in while we were talking with John Samuel Schenker. We're going to talk with Brian when we come back. Uh, Bill is working from home. He's on Skype. Uh, he will be uh, with us throughout the show and we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 is the number to dial we have the phone issue fixed right drew uh from uh from whatever happened i got during the commercial break i, I got questions about friday's show uh we will also uh, uh take your texts 334-564-1840 the drive text box presented by southeastern industrial contractors let's take a break we'll be back you are listening to the monday edition of the drive Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. The Monday edition of The Drive. Bill Cameron on the digital internet line. Unsponsored digital internet line. Skype is proprietary. I don't want to shout them out. I just did. Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com is in the studio joining us as he does on Mondays. Busy. Uh, busy last couple of days. Busy last couple of weeks, I imagine, over at AuburnSports.com. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, and of course, uh, I'm Dan Peck, by the way. Thanks for uh, joining us. Drew's at the controls. You can call 334-321-1390 on the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And, uh, and Brian, you know, I, I sort of have the same question for you that I had for John Samuel Schenker. You know, what, what's going to really stand out when you look back on Cadillac Williams' first game as interim head coach, first home game, as interim head coach and, and the the atmosphere this past weekend for for Auburn Texas A and M what what's gonna what's gonna stand out to you? Well, the atmosphere is gonna stand out and the support of the Auburn people. 
That's definitely going to stand out. You right? were at Tiger Walk, I imagine. I think you, you posted some pictures. You posted yes. some pictures. I saw video. Yes, uh, on my timeline there, you can find it at uh, BMAT AU. Um, but I think when you look back on the history of Auburn's program, 130 years of football, this that game Saturday night now has a place in it. I don't know where it ranks or whatever. I don't have the, that answer, but I, it has a place in it now. Sort of depends on how Auburn how Auburn bounces back from the Brian Harson era, because I think if the bounce back is sudden and Auburn's a compet, you know, Auburn's a, a player soon, at, you know, in, in the in the the top ten, top fifteen of college football, and soon I mean next season or shortly thereafter. If that's the case, then I think you imagine you know that this past weekend was the catalyst of the next era. Of Auburn football, whatever it is, you know, and that's whether or not Cadillac Williams is a part of it. Like, I still think that that the way Auburn, because it wasn't just Cadillac Williams Appreciation Night. Like that was that was certainly an aspect of it, but you know, it seemed like it was a bit of a response to. And and I I don't want to create imaginary narratives here, but I was on the Max Roundtable earlier, and I said that, you know it felt like a little bit of, you know, when I see pro Brian Harson anti Auburn sort of national stories about the last few years of, of Auburn football or the last couple of years, you know, for this program, you know, it, it does seem like this was, you know, Auburn standing up for itself and, yes. you know, as, as a fan base and as a program and saying this isn't a, a toxic place where promising coaches go to end their careers because the realistic, you know, the expectations aren't realistic compared to, other places in college football. This is a this is a place like I think it was Tom Hart uh, who who posted some pictures of the student section and said whoever the next coach is 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 inheriting a gold mine. Like this is yeah. this is a this is a place where you can win like very few places in college football because of everything at your disposal, all the weapons in the arsenal, including the football. Uh, the the, uh, the the Waltos Center, which yep. is uh, it's, it's incredible. We can talk about all the bells and whistles of that place. Uh, yeah, Bill took the tour on it's Friday. You know, I, yes. I, I was uh, I was unable to attend, but I met you. You were you were part of that part of that contingent that oh, got we to were, see. Yep. Yeah, got to see everything. So yeah, I just it, it seemed like this was, you know, that this this was the start of something new. You know, whether, whether or not it's again because I, I I don't want to like Cadillac, Cadillac Williams is a very important part of this story. And I wonder, you know, what his role will be going forward. And, you know, there are a lot of things that, that could determine, you know, what that is. But it, it does seem like this is the start of, of that next era for Auburn football, whoever is in charge of the 2023 team. At the very least, it's the end of an era, one of the worst uh, 22 months in Auburn uh, football history. Uh, and that was an emphatic into it. That was Auburn people turned out saying, we don't accept that anymore. This is what Auburn is. And everybody pulling in the same direction from the fans to the coaches to the players. You saw that Saturday. And to build on more of what you were saying, I think sometimes even Auburn fans and people can take Auburn for granted and not understand how special, how good of a place this is. I will ask this again. I've asked it many times. Tell me the coaches that have left Auburn for a better job. Name them. That voluntarily, I mean, right. who's the last Auburn coach to voluntarily leave? Auburn football coach. I mean, right? I mean, who's the last guy to, you know, decide, oh, I don't want to be the coach here anymore, you know, on on his own, on his own accord and without, you know, a, a decision being made over his head, right? It doesn't, you're right. It doesn't happen. And no offense to any of these coaches, but under Terry Bowden, under Tommy Tuberville, under Gene Chizik, under Gus Malzahn, 
Auburn either won national championships or had undefeated seasons. I'm not sure any of those four coaches are Hall of Fame coaches, right? So Auburn is a great program, and it's really, really good under solid leadership. It can be great under great leadership. It won four straight SEC championships when I was a student there under Pat Dye. Okay, it can be great. Uh, it just needs the right guys in charge. And, um, you know, John Cohen is now in charge of finding that right guy. And if he can, uh, Auburn can be a, a really great football program on and off the field, recruiting, developing NFL players, winning games, competing and winning championships. There's no reason Auburn cannot do the same things that the other top programs in the SEC are doing. You should never, ever, ever think that Auburn doesn't deserve that or cannot do that. And this past Saturday, I think, threw a wrench into the notion that Auburn was a long way away from being competitive. And I understand Texas A&M is also struggling this season in a, in a really big way. I mean, look, briefly on Texas A&M, the team I saw Saturday was worse than any Gus Malzahn team that he ever well, that he were, ever that he ever had at Auburn. They were very they're they're a team that's underachieving and that's a bad team. Yeah. Nobody likes a team that's underachieving. The team that right? got Gus Malzahn fired in 2020 would have drubbed the Texas A&M team that I saw on Saturday night and so they got trouble. Like cuz that's a that's a untenable contract situation. I wonder who do they have Saturday? They got like a is it UMass? I don't they got know. someone they should be I mean what what do you do what there? Do you, yeah, like, they do. Yeah, they got some. They got they got UMass. What what happens there, Bill? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, if they lose that one. If they lose that one, then they, they, they won't have any trouble. They could they could get two hundred eighty five million dollars to pay him off. If they lose that ball. Game. What I mean, yeah, they, they, as right, a right. as a longtime observer, yeah, awful, go ahead, Bill. That's an awful Texas A and M team. Yeah. I mean, now a lot of it. I mean, they had some guys that were available that didn't play too. I, I really don't know what's going on. Are they holding themselves out? Is the coaching staff holding them? Are they trying to lose as many games? I mean, it it, it almost looks that way. Well, it, Bill, it became a Texas A and M thing. I was going to say, but what I was what I was trying to say is that seeing Auburn these last couple of weeks, it does raise the question of how many players on this roster could be part of the rebuild and a positive aspect of the rebuild in 2023 and 2024. I don't think the answer is zero. No. Right? Like I think there there are guys who could be starters on the next really good Auburn team on this roster. I don't know how many of them. Like I you know we could you know I wish I had the Bill Cameron death chart right in front of me uh, for that sort of thing, but I do think the answer is, you know, it's it's a non-zero amount, uh, you know, and and so you know, and seeing Auburn, granted, some of the top performances Saturday night were players that made. I mean, you think about Colby Wooden, like that's that's someone who should probably be in the NFL next year, like just based on based based on nothing more than what I saw Saturday from him against Texas A and M. That's a guy who should probably be in the NFL next year. But it does feel like there could be guys who are part of the rebuild, part of the solution on this team, and that's something else to watch for the next two weeks. Is you know, is, is there anyone? With with years of eligibility remaining, who can make a, a compelling argument that they're they're part of the, you know they're they're part of the the resurgence at Auburn? You asking me? Well, no, we'll we'll see. Uh, we, we got more to talk. We can, well, running, no, we can talk about that. The music's playing. So running we can, back and DB are yeah. strong units going into next year. The rest of them have some critical areas they're going to have to address. Absolutely, we're we're going to talk with Brian Matthews some more about everything going on in the world of Auburn sports. And beyond, Bill Cameron is joining us via the internet from the home office. 
Drew's at the controls. I'm Dan Peck. You are listening to the Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number one of the Monday edition of The Drive. Bill and Dan... Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com. Drew with the controls. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. The number to dial. If you missed John Samuel Schenker, we had him to start the show as part of Tiger Takes, brought to you by our friends at the Allsport Law Group. And you can hear that on the podcast, which is sponsored by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. However you get your podcasts, just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron or go to ESPNAU.com and find uh, the uh, podcast center when you can find episodes of the drive that way. We were talking about, uh, you know, some of the memories from Saturday night. I, uh, you know, B- Bill, what I, did you have? Uh, did you have something to jump in on before the music started playing? Uh, no, no, not really. I mean, uh, I, I was just agreeing with everything Brian was saying. Yeah, the atmosphere was was fantastic. I mean, um, and and right now everybody's feeling really good. Uh, like John Samuel was talking with us at hour number one. It's not the it's not time to go ahead and, and be thinking about Tuscaloosa before before you get past yeah. Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They are a team that has scored as many as 70 points in a game this year. I know they haven't been great, but uh, I think Auburn's going to have their hands full again this week. Really interested in seeing what kind of you know what kind of atmosphere it's going to be this week for a three o'clock non-conference game. But uh, it's no question it's great to get back on the winning track. And now all the buzz is all right. So. What's going to happen when the season's over? Who's going to be the next coach? And, and uh, Brian, there was there was a lot of, of action. My phone, I thought I thought I thought my phone was going to melt <laughs> last night. Um, there, there 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 must have been word in multiple places that that there are at least serious conversations going on. Right? I think there was an overreaction in some <laughs> places, to be honest with you. Um, but as far as the coaching search goes. And I've felt this way for a while now. I don't think it gets past Lane Kiffin or you freeze. Maybe something will happen tomorrow or the next day where a new coach comes into focus or something. But that's the way I see it at, you know, at this time on Monday, November 14th. Also, I, I, I do not believe that any real contract or any of that has happened, okay? First not, of not all, an offer. No, not an official First of offer. all, Auburn doesn't offer a coach unless he's going to take it. And that's the way it is for most searches. That's just the way it is, okay? There's all these behind-the-scenes coaches. I mean, I mean, talks and discussions with agents and with other people, you know, indirectly. And there's back and forth. And there's, you know, coaches deciding what they want to do and, and weighing options and talking to their current schools and talking to the school that wants them. There's just a lot of things that go through this process. So to think that it's streamlined and Auburn's offered somebody this package and they're just waiting for a answer is just a bunch of baloney. I want to ask about both of the names you just mentioned before we get to James and Yellowhammer. So hang on, guys. First, Lane Kiffin. Brian, do you think 
Saturday, not just what was on display at Jordan-Hare Stadium, but also what happened in Oxford. Do you think Saturday maybe helped uh, uh, set the stage for Lane Kiffin as Auburn's head coach because uh, maybe Ole Miss has maxed out under Lane Kiffin and he's taken them as far as he can go, and there are advantages to being Auburn's coach historically and still today uh, that maybe you, you can't or won't have at Ole Miss. What, what do you think the case is for Lane Kiffin leaving what he currently has to possibly take over Auburn? Well, I don't think I have to make the case. I think it's black and white. It's, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for being arrogant in that way, but as I said, Auburn is a special place. You can win championships at Auburn. Ole Miss has never been to the SEC championship game. I'm, I'm sorry, they just have it. And uh, just go, and, and there's no offense, Ole Miss is a great place. In fact, I love going to cover games there, okay? I, I love the people there. They have a, a great game day atmosphere, and, and, and the Grove is incredible, you know? I, I, think, I think as a um, student, I would have had an incredible time at Ole Miss, right? Or, or, or if I was, you know, 30 or 40, however many years it is, 35 years younger, I, I would right now. And if they, However, yeah, go, go ahead. However, I, I, there's no question that Auburn is the better job for a number of reasons, facilities, money, NIL, uh, program, you name it. It's all there. And then the second thing you, you talked about was, was what happened this weekend, help Auburn's chances with, with Lane Kemp, and I, I believe it does because Ole Miss was officially eliminated from the SEC West race. It's going to be LSU versus Georgia and Atlanta in, in three more weeks or a little bit less than three weeks. So that puts him now on the path where he's available the Friday after Thanksgiving, technically. Right? I don't yep. I don't think anything's going to happen until November 27th, which is the day after the Iron Ball. However, I will say that coaching churches, I got to say that word, coaching searches are changing a little bit in the era of NIL, in the era of the transfer portal. And it's important to get for Auburn to get their coach in as soon as possible. But if they take a head coach from an existing school like Ole Miss or wherever, it's important to that school to, to, to make their uh, turnover as quick as possible too. So in that regards, you might see something pop up maybe a little bit sooner, but it's not going to be today or tomorrow or whatever. And and with regards to uh, or well before we before we talk about Hugh Freeze, Bill, you want to you want to jump in on any of that with Lane Kiffin? No, no, no. I I agree. I mean, uh, uh, we, we can we can talk about these guys more. Why don't Why don't we go ahead and get to James and see what see what's on his? Okay, mind. We'll, we'll we'll do the, we'll do the Hugh Freeze conversation in a second. But let's get to James, who's been hanging on. What's up, James? Hey guys, um, Brian. Brian, I got a question for you. Something that was said on the Max Roundtable today. Doug said that. Um, Bruce Pearl and Lane Kiffin had talked at some point during the last week. Have y'all heard any of that? Because that was the first bit of news I've heard of that. But I mean, I'm not. I don't talk the same circles he talks. But I mean, I don't. I don't know. And two, what? How much stock do you put into these Ole Miss beat guys? Keep saying uh, there's no chance Lane will leave to go to Auburn. I don't. I don't get. I don't get where they're seeing that because I know what you, I know some of what y'all have talked about, and that just doesn't seem to add up. No, in, it, in it doesn't. Um, to answer your question, do I know specifically they spoke um, this last week? No. Do I know that Bruce and Lane communicate? Yes. 
do I know how coaches work? And do I know that Lane, if he wants information about Auburn, one of the first guys he's going to talk to is Bruce Pearl, who can tell him everything he has a relationship with. So that is absolutely happening. Of course it is. Tell me about Auburn. Tell me about the, the money people. Tell me about you know, the support, the, the town, the city, every, everything he wants to know about Auburn. He can find out by just talking to his buddy on the phone, which is a great way to handle some things, right? Uh, back channel some things. Uh, the second part of that was what was that again? Why why the beat why the, why so oh. many of the press uh, can't you know well isn't isn't saying that it's a possibility that Lane's going to leave saying it's not a possibility is is just incorrect. It is a possibility. It's not a guarantee, right? Oh no, I, I'll say this. The, the, I, I think that a lot. I think a lot of uh, a lot of folks over there in Oxford um, feel like if Lane leaves, it'll be for one of two jobs. Alabama or the NFL. And, and that, that, that could be possible. That, yeah, that could but, be possible. If they, if but that doesn't mean that he right. wouldn't leave for another. But I believe right. they they feel like, well, it wouldn't make sense for him to leave for anything else. But it's going to make dollars and cents for him yeah. to do that. And that's a that's an um, question that Auburn's going to want to answer because they want a guy that's going to come here and, and be looking, you know, over his shoulder in, in a couple of years, right? The, Auburn's the type of program yeah, where, right. where, where, right. where guys, John like Jordan I said a while ago, coach in a few years. nobody's, I, I don't, nobody in my living memory has, has left Auburn for a better job. So he'd be the first if that happened. Uh, if he comes to Auburn, that probably eliminates him from, from consideration for the Alabama job. You know, how, how, how important is that really to him? Like, really? I, I'd uh, be more concerned I, I, about the NFL. Right. So, you know, we'll see. That, that's something, that, that is one of those things that you have to talk about, you have to work out, you know? So, um, and if and if and if it becomes Lane Kiffin, I don't know. You know, if if it if it's Lane Kiffin and he succeeds, I think there could be something lingering for much of his uh, of of his tenure. As far as could the NFL come knocking? I mean, that's that's that's, yeah. that's a trade off of having a successful coach with right, an NFL right. pedigree as as your head coach. But the alternative is, you know, you could the, the NFL doesn't poach. Head coaches from middling, you know, uh, uh, struggling to compete programs, right? right? So that's that's you know, if that's the trade-off, I sort of understand. Before we get to Yellowhammer, I did want to ask about Hugh Freeze because you mentioned him as well. And on the Max Roundtable, speaking of that show earlier today, I was uh, I was I was suggesting that my my concern with Hugh Freeze is how big is the asterisk when you talk about him as a recruiter because he did assemble top five programs. Uh, top five recruiting classes at Ole Miss, but he was found to be in violation of the rules by the NCAA and the SEC uh, in assembling those classes. And you know, I, I think I, I, that sort of muddles the you know muddies the water as far as what are you getting with Hugh Freeze as a recruiter, Brian? You made a fascinating point before the show, which is. Was Hugh Freeze's program in 2012-2013 at Ole Miss that much dirtier than a half a dozen or more other recruiting operations around the country that weren't found to be in violation of the rules by their respective conferences or the NCAA? It's an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about. Is Was Hugh Freeze just keeping up with the Joneses uh, with, with, with what he was doing? Your confidence that if it was Hugh Freeze, he would be an effective or more than effective recruiter? I think he checks that box big time as far as um, going out and getting players. He brought five stars to Ole Miss, and they played like five stars on the field. Um, he had to take more chances at Ole Miss because that wasn't a place that brought in five stars, right? Um, got caught doing it, but uh, 
comparing it to other schools that do other things. I, I just, you know, he wasn't evil, and some coach at another school that gets great players, you know, is is all good. They're doing a lot of the same things. Uh, he got caught, uh, or and you know, his staff made some mistakes there. Uh, the biggest thing with you is just his off the field behavior. You know, can he rein that in? Has he matured past that? You know, those type of things were the big thing. But as far as going and getting players in the NIL area era, I think he will be fantastic at it, in my opinion. Running an offense, I think he has the potential to be fantastic at putting up an offense with big points and developing and coaching quarterbacks, something that Auburn has lacked so much, so much for so many years now. Not just developing. I think he, will, he can do that, too. Not just developing and coaching quarterbacks, but turning yourself into a destination for right. quarterbacks, not just the top quarterbacks out of high school, but potentially the top quarterbacks in the transfer portal, which if you can get someone who checks that box... That's that's a huge addition for your program. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a uh, he took an Auburn cast off and made him a first round pick at Liberty. That is not some lucky thing that just happened. He, he keeps putting up huge numbers on offense at Liberty. He beat an SEC team at Liberty. Okay, and and in those, the those and in the aftermath uh, of having a coach that maybe didn't understand the importance of having high level needle moving talent at key positions. Hugh Freeze, you would not worry about that. Hugh Freeze gets it as far as he knows how good you have to be at certain positions if you're going to compete in the SEC West. And not to pile on, that's a fair criticism of Brian Harson is that maybe he didn't understand how good you have to be at certain positions to compete at a high level with Auburn's schedule. It wasn't just not understanding. It was not giving up. It was not caring. Indifference. It was, yeah. It's like, I I don't have to listen to anybody. If If they don't want Auburn, we don't want them. We'll just take the good old boys at one Auburn. They'll come in here and we'll turn them into hard-fighting soldiers. We're going to coach them up and, and get them all big and strong in the weight room. And nobody else could do that, of course, because, you know, I'm the expert at, you know, doing these things and having this great culture. Yeah. And then I'm going to have uh, one of the worst 22-month run in Auburn history. That's, that's how that turned out. I tell you what, we got we got callers hanging on. Uh, we will get to you, you know. Let's get to Yellow Hammer before the break because he's been he's been hanging on for a little while. What's up, Hammer? Oh uh, yeah, hey. Um, well, let me turn down my radio. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm talking offense under Harson, uh, certain kind of play calling, and then the last two games, uh, two different uh, guys running the offense. And I just wondered. I hadn't watched this because I paid attention to other things, but. I got to wondering about, uh, has there been any sort of a change in emphasis on offense? Do you see any new stuff, or are we just trying to execute what we've been doing? Uh, you can definitely see more misdirection in the running game. You yep. can see them uh, more more focused, uh, less stuff going on in other ways, whereas they're sticking to certain runs, uh, running a little bit more gap scheme. And I'm no coach. This is just what coaches that know what they're talking about tell me. Um, so, yes, uh, you're seeing an offense that's, uh, got gotten rid of all the fluff in, in many ways, although they are doing some cool misdirection plays, right? But really focusing on the, some things that they can do well. And, and trying to take some of it out, out of Robbie's hands, right? right. Trying, to, trying to, you know, if, if you're dead set on establishing a passing offense with a quarterback who's somewhat limited, um, it can, you know, every play you attempt to do that is a play where you didn't run the football. And I think Auburn's decided we're going we're gonna to throw the ball less. One, one catch for a receiver on Saturday night, Against Texas A and M, it was a touchdown. Uh, but you know, one catch by an Auburn receiver all night. But at the same time, two running backs over a hundred yards and a ball control offense that kept A and M off the field for 
Uh, for well, and that and A and M not being able to convert a third down kept them off the field for uh, for, for much of the second half. The rest of the defense that way, and they were able to perform all the way through. It was the best, I mean, it was it was probably and again, no no expert on this one, Brian. Uh, the best game the defensive line played all season. The best game the defense has played all season. And I don't necessarily have a great expo- explanation for that because every defensive uh, coach has returned. All I can say is it looks like uh, they're starting to coach and play like a an, a more aggressive uh, Kevin Steele like defense that we're used to. You can see them getting after it. You can see them uh, doing more uh, linebacker and, and nickel and, and, and blitzes and stuff. And uh, I don't know. Maybe Harson was was uh, you know putting the brakes on those guys a little bit. But I love what I'm seeing over there. I I, I was very skeptical about that whole situation, but I. I I'd be happy to admit I was wrong. They they are playing great, and they did it with just five substitutes against Texas A&M, which is even more impressive to me. And one, now, note, I will oh, say, go ahead, Bill. I will say the 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 only caveat that I'll throw in there is that was that was that's a bad offense that Auburn yeah, played. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a freshman quarterback. They didn't have their top running back. They didn't have their top receiver. Um, they they've struggled against a lot of people. But no, Auburn's they're playing more aggressive. Maybe that's something. Maybe Brian Harson didn't want them. Uh, taking any chances because they do seem to be attacking more and they're just playing it seems with more abandon so so that's good but but i i wouldn't get too carried away and think that this is a team that's going to be you know expected to be holding people to you know 14 points or less most of the time well one change that bill you were talking about for weeks before it happened is you've seen an uh you've seen the ball go to jarquez hunter more the last oh, yeah. two weeks, I mean, 25, Jarquez, Jarquez. 25 carries. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. I want to tee you up for that because, yeah, but no, please I mean, talk about Jarquez, Jarquez Hunter. Hunter is a, I mean, he he is a playmaker. I mean, he's a guy that is explosive. You've got to get the ball to him, man. And and he would have had another. How how long would that uh, wheel route have been? Oh, that that, he was so wide open on that. Oh, one. oh yeah. I mean, you know, he had 120 something yards rushing. He catches the ball well. Yeah, you, you just got to get him the ball more i mean we've been talking about tank all year needing it but jarquez is special no doubt and, and if if the uh whoever is coaching auburn in 2023 i think attempting to retain jarquez hunter for another season you know is is, is part of the is, is part of the challenge because this is a guy who yeah, you get the feeling could be could could be something really special uh if 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 you know, allowed to be the centerpiece of an offense because everything we've seen so far, and especially the last two weeks, suggests Auburn has something really special in its backup tailback, Jarquez Hunter, to say nothing of of how Tank Bigsby has has played as well. Let's take a break. We got callers hanging on. We will get to you when we come back. We will be back. You're listening to the Monday edition of The Drive. Time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of our number one here on the Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com hanging out with us. Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron working from home on the digital line. And we've got room for your phone calls as well. 334-321-1390. The number to dial. Uh, Drew, let me see the board. Next up is John. What's up, John? 
guys. I've enjoyed this show. I had one question, and I'd love to hear Brian weigh in on this, but I'll be honest, my fear on uh, my fear on Lane Kiffin is one thing, Jimmy Sexton. And so I have a my concern is whoever Auburn hires, what's their contingency plan plan if this guy fails? And I guess it seems like in years past, Auburn's given away the farm and contract negotiations as far as ridiculous buyouts. But it seems to me they should have some leverage here because he can win a title at Auburn. He can't at Ole Miss. And also, um, we have leverage, too, because Hugh Freeze wants the job. So my question is, do you think Auburn will actually wisely use some of the leverage they have to not get stuck with some $70 million buyout and end up like Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M? That's my concern. Uh, I'd love to hear you guys address mm, that. Actually, actually, no. I think Auburn is going to be saddled with a big buyout if they hire somebody like Kiffin. Uh, however, and I don't know that it'll be $70 million, but it'll be big. However, I must say that people I trust and believe in tell me these buyouts are not that big a deal. They're just a tax write-off to these uh, big dollar folks. So, doesn't Well, it doesn't seem to stop programs when they no. need to make a change, right? Like, I mean, we, we occasionally see teams make things that seem financially motivated. Yeah. But even, like Bill was saying, Jimbo Fisher could lose to UMass, and they'll find the money. I mean, like, Jimmy Sexton has set the market. The market is what it is. And uh, Auburn would love to say, you know, Give him the middle finger, but that ain't happening. I also think with Kiffin, like the kind of leverage you have is limited because I, it seems like he'd be happy to stay and keep winning and eventually sure. have. There's, there are other jobs are going to open yeah. up, good jobs that, that he'll be a candidate. He, he could stay and right. have a statue if he keeps going nine and three, right. you know, or, or better at Ole Miss for, for a long time. Fun hour number one, hour number two coming up. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the drive. Today. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is Sports. I'm Kevin Winter, week number 10 of the NFL coming to a close tonight. Monday Night Football takes place from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. The Eagles putting their perfect 8-0 record on the line. ESPN's Lisa Salters is there and has this report. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are balling. Hertz has won 11 consecutive regular season starts dating back to last season and entering the week he was the only player in the league with at least 10 touchdown passes and five rushing TVs. He's got six of those. Eagles and Commanders coverage is starting right now on ESPN Television with Monday Night Countdown. They'll kick at 8.15 Eastern. Eagles are sitting as 11 point favorites according to Caesar Sportsbook. The Vikings have won seven consecutive games all by one score. They had an overtime victory at the Bills. Buffalo 6-3. Game back of the Chiefs in the race for the number one seed. Half game back of the Miami Dolphins for the top spot of the division. The Green Bay Packers snap a five-game losing streak. They have a victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Tonight's men's basketball game on the University of Virginia campus against UNI has been canceled in the wake of the tragic shooting last night, which took the lives of three current football players and injured two other students. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive offers a great price and round-the-clock protection when bundling home and auto. It's one of those rare times where you can save money and get something great. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in hour number two of the... Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com hanging out with us. Bill is on the digital line, on the uh, working from the home office. Drew at the controls. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. That is Kia of Auburn Hotline, brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn and KiaofAuburn.com, where you're always number one. Hour number two of The Drive, brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic. East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And you can text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast. We talk with John Samuel Schenker at the beginning of the show. Check that out on the podcast. That's uh, Tiger Takes, brought to you by our friends at the Alsobrook Law Group. Really appreciate our chances to talk with John Samuel Schenker. Great conversation to start the show. Check it out if you uh, if you get the opportunity. Still got Brian Matthews in the house. Love to hear from you as we uh, yeah, we talk about a very memorable Saturday night at Jordan-Hare Stadium and, and what looks like it'll be a a big couple of weeks. Bill, you were saying, uh, you, you, were, you were telling me, th- this this feels like a time where we're going to hear crazy rumors the next, oh, the next few I, weeks, I about, right? Yeah, I was about to ask Brian, isn't this, I mean, it, it, it is a great time, but it can be such a frustrating time now because there is so much smoke out there, and I do think, that with Chris Roberts and John Cohen at the helm, people don't have the sources that they used to. Well, those sources aren't as good as they used to be because they're not getting information from John Cohen or from Samford Hall. And it's great. I mean, you, you check, you, you just, just check social media, check message boards, and it's wild the things that you see yeah. from people that usually know what they're talking about. You know, I've gotten today. I've gotten calls. Dabo's called Auburn, and he he wants the job. Uh, Urban Meyer's already been cut. Matt Rules already agreed to the deal. It's yeah. like nobody knows. Oh, I got I got the whole Dabo spill at the game Saturday oh, from, yeah. from multiple people. It was uh, interesting, uh, and no, I do not believe that's going to happen. <laughs> um, but there's also although I'll say this. I do understand why coaches that aren't in the SEC or the Big Ten yeah. would be looking at the shifting landscape of college oh, yeah. football and thinking, right. "Do I need uh, do I need to do what Lincoln Riley did? Right. Do I need to do Brian what Brian Ke- what Brian yeah. Kelly yeah. did?" And and maybe that would make. I'm not sure I buy the you know any any sort of Dabo rumor either. The contract he just signed is you know is as a uh, is a it's like a 15 year deal right that he, he just he just signed know. with he signed a, 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 a cart, yeah million, yeah so a cartoonishly I'm long contract right. like a couple of months ago i just i wonder if if things have changed that much at the same time sort of getting back to what we were starting i am bracing to hear crazy rumors between now and auburn eventually making a decision to. it's impossible not to have them because of the way this is being run right and the, and the way people are so active online and however but the other thing to keep in mind with this, um, with this uh, coaching search is there is a concerted effort. I mentioned this before. 
of, of getting everybody on the same page and working together. Yes, they're going to talk behind the scenes and have disagreements, and everybody's going to have their guy and, and whatever. But instead of those guys going off in their separate directions and doing their own thing, there is a very um, strong push and effort from the people that matter at Auburn, like Dr. Roberts and now like John Cohen, to keep everybody together on the same page, focused on this search, and let the guys that are supposed to make the decisions make the decisions with those guys, you know, of course, being able to give their opinions and being listened to and, and talked with. So in the spirit of of this being a time where you're going to hear crazy rumors, mm. I will I will spread the one rumor I can tell you about, right. which I think I've said on the show. But but I it, it's if you want rumors or concrete information, look, keep in mind, everybody's got a source where oh, yeah. what, what I was told after the Arkansas game before Brian Harson's dismissal was made official. What I was told is that at least one and maybe more of the people that are considered big money donors, significant players in that aspect of Auburn, there would be major pushback to any any approach to Deion Sanders. I, that's, I was told there would be an uprising of sorts among people who give considerable money to the university. That's the way, not naming names, anything like that, the way it was described to me was that there would be real significant pushback from from big money players to Deion Sanders as the guy. Beyond that, I don't know. But I can that's that's a and and that sort of flies in the face of some other things I've heard and seen publicly. So I I will I'll throw that log on the fire as far as well, the, the rumor mill goes. And that's just something I and and that also predates John Cohen. I would also point out that that predates right. John Cohen getting the job. So you know maybe that could you know maybe minds could be changed. But as of a couple of weeks ago, I was told that some very significant folks who give money to Auburn want absolutely no part. Of Deion Sanders bringing his show to, uh, to, to to Auburn University. Now, the thing to keep in mind in, in many of these searches is, boy, it's really tough to weed through things. The names you hear a lot early on or uh, often aren't necessarily who it is, but it doesn't rule them out. But I think it's interesting, Dan, that when you mentioned that, I was going to ask Brian, I said, there hadn't been an awful lot of primetime talk here over the last few days. No, and I think that's because people have now finally accepted, for the most part, that he's not a big part of this coaching search. At this time, again, I'm never going to say no, you know, unless I know, you know, somebody tells me absolutely not. And but I think it's as close to absolutely not as as it can be, in my opinion. I think I don't think there's anything against Dion. I just think mm, some of the people in charge believe that is too big of a risk for Auburn to take right now. Well, what were the three things that John Cohen did mention when he was talking about his list of 58? He talked culture, X's and O's, and recruiting. Yep. What do you know about Dion's X's and O's or the, the culture fit with Dion nothing. and Auburn? I don't know. I mean, you assume that he's going to recruit well because he got Travis Hunter, yeah. but I'd say he, he he's not batting extremely well on, on that. Uh, to, uh, to, on me, to me, Dion Sanders, and I, I, you know, I do wonder about the sort of the, well, you know, let's get to Spectre and then we'll continue this conversation. Spectre's been right. hanging on for a little while and, and I want to hear what he has to say. Spectre, what's up? Uh, good afternoon, guys. Uh, Brian Matthews is there today, right? I'm here. Yeah, I heard you say something about you being a little arrogant. 
I was talking about Auburn being a better program than Ole Miss, and I'm uh, and I said I, I don't want to come off as arrogant. I'm just stating oh, what okay. the facts are. Sorry. All right, I was doing the other things, and I heard that, and I was wondering what you were talking about. Yep. Good. Um, now, we're talking about Auburn getting this next coach. We always hear the talk about getting an elite coach. Why are we selling for a second-chance coaches, being Hugh Freeze and Kiffin? Well, who who, who do you think coaches. Auburn should get? It's not, it's not who do I think. Why is Auburn settling for those two? Well, I don't know who else is available that Auburn can get. That's that's the thing. No, it's, a, it's an interesting well, question of second-chance coaches. I mean, I think in the case of Kiffin, right, like that's somebody who is on the rise right now because he's succeeding at Ole Miss. I don't know if it's a situation where, like I get what you're saying. He had a chance at USC years ago, and it didn't go his way. And, and it, you know, if you want to say it's a, it's a retread or something, like I get that point. At, at the same time, He's winning like he's winning at Ole Miss. You, it's it's fair for pe- people to wonder what could he do with Auburn resources if that's what he's doing with Ole Miss resources. And I guess that's similar to Hugh Freeze, right? He was able to do what he did with Ole Miss resources. Okay. Imagine okay, if you Dan. give him Auburn resources. Yeah, to answer your question, Brian, is that um, we got the purse. It's not who's available. It's who can we get with our purse. Okay, who can who can Auburn get? I, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're they not going to get out. Nick Saban. They're not going to get Dabo Swinney. They're not going to get uh, the coach at Ohio State, whose name just slips my mind at Ronnie the moment. Yeah, well, thank and, you. well, hold on, because I have a question for Specter. Like, if if it's if it's not a second chance head coach, aren't you worried about a lack of experience? If it's someone who's never been a college head coach before, if it's his first job. Okay, if you're if you're pressuring me for a name, I'll give you one. Urban Meyer. He hasn't got a job. And he's got the experience, so why aren't we opening up the purse and going after him? That's you know that's that's a that's an interesting point of view. I mean, Urban Meyer is someone who we were we were doing off the air sort he's of playing a the second chance coach. Well, he, he or would third or fourth chance. He, he would be somebody coming off but of the Jacksonville. Absolutely, more he, he would be coming off the Jacksonville disaster. But as a college football coach, he's the second most successful college football coach. On the planet, well, right I, don't know that, I don't know that he is interested in Auburn or interested in being college coach right now. I have not. Nobody has told me that. Nobody's. You know, if he was, well, that's, that's the question. Know. That's the question. Has, it, has Auburn gone after him? Has Auburn said, "Well, I'll pay you X amount of dollars if you do it"? I don't. I don't know the answer to that question. And, and it's yeah. fair to wonder, Specter, if he d- if he wants to go back to being a college football head coach, right? Like, I will see it when it happens. But he he left Ohio State under his own volition. He decided to leave, and he tried the NFL out uh, afterwards. Like he, he took a break, tried the NFL out. You know, it, it's a it's a question of whether or not Urban Meyer wants to come back. If he does. Based on his track record, I imagine he'll be incredibly successful, especially if he goes somewhere that has a that has a history of succeeding. Uh, but but it's a question of whether or not Urban Meyer wants to come back to college football too. Yeah. Okay. These five stars that you were referring to, Brian. Yes. Uh, that Hugh Freeze has has had at uh, Mississippi. Uh, are we talking about just a couple or a handful or what? I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I'm... Just off the top of your head. Uh, he had two or three f- f- five-star receivers. Well, yeah. I'm trying to think of the... Uh, he beat well, uh, offensive tackle, a defensive uh, end slash uh, tackle, I remember, about, with about five like stars. Mal, about like Malzahn, give or take. No. Uh, he had to, he had back-to-back top five classes. Gus never had a top five yeah, class. Yeah, I mean, we're talking... Elite recruiting at Ole Miss. Okay, that's special. I don't care how you do it. That's special. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, well, no matter how you do it, it's special because I'm going to say this again. A lot of things that were yeah. going on there are the same things that would go on at other places back back in the yeah. day, before yeah, NIL. Right. Okay, well, here we have a, a, a elite coach, so to speak, that has a, a wagon full of five stars on his team and can't do anything with them. Who's that? Jimbo Fisher. Well, that is true. That's well, yeah. That's no. You're yeah. you're and that, that's well. That's the argument. That's the argument that recruiting is not the only thing, right? You got it. You got the only thing, but it's absolutely. the most important thing. Okay. That's that's, that's why that's you should the way have an elite coach. That's why you should go after the elite coach. Uh, okay. Well, there's nothing. That, there's nothing board. that I've heard, uh, Specter, that John Cohen is not. I mean, I have not heard that. Well, they're just going to start at the middle. I think. I think he's. Um, you know, again, I, I I don't have inside info, but I believe he's checking every possibility that there is um, because he has so much more resources now than he did and, when he was at Mississippi State. And past performance isn't the only indicator of, of future success. It can be a strong indicator of future success. And, and you're not, Spectre, you're not the only person who's called the show and said Urban Meyer should be a player in this coaching search if he wants to be a college football coach because... Auburn will not hire a coach with a better resume than Urban. Auburn will not hire a coach who has accomplished more right. as a college football. You're going to hire someone who's won four national championships. Like, I mean, you're, you're not going to hire someone who's accomplished more than Urban Meyer. But that's not the only thing is what you've accomplished in the past. It's also about what you can provide over the next few seasons. And there are some questions as to what you're getting now if you get Urban Meyer. At the same time, I mean, Urban Meyer has accomplished more as a as a college football head coach than Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze combined. Like you, you can make the case that yeah, they won't they won't hire someone more accomplished. Just that's that's not the only thing. Specter, we we appreciate the phone call. Good good stuff. You want to get to uh, want to get to Jared, who's up next? What's up, Jared? Hey guys, how y'all doing? Do, doing all right. Good good to hear from you. Yeah, it's good to hear y'all from y'all too. Uh, definitely enjoying Hawaii weather right now, so you can't beat that, especially with y'all are dealing with there. Uh, one thing I'd say, uh, watching the game Saturday to answer Spectre's question, I don't know if you really want Urban Meyer because he was at the Ohio State game and I read correctly they had to, he had to leave the game early for health reasons and be taken to the hospital. And that's been or the issue with Urban Meyer is, quote unquote, it's his heart in it, it's his health there. So are you hiring someone that you're only going to get for a year or two, even if he does want to coach? So there's a health concern because everywhere he's been. Oh, no, certainly. I mean, I think, I think the question of what you're getting, because that's, there's a huge spectrum of possibilities, right? If you, if you were to get this Urban Meyer at this stage in his career, you know, could, could it resemble the disaster in Jacksonville? Could it resemble his successes at Gainesville and, and Ohio State? Could it be some combination of the two? Is, is there off-field things, you know, to, to worry about with Urban Meyer and the kind of players? I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's, but, but that's, I, I can understand the point of view of, well, that that's the most proven guy. Go go get him. I also understand the folks on the other side who wonder, will, is it reasonable to expect him to replicate those results? And are there other things that need to be considered when you when you wonder about Urban Meyer's candidacy? I, mean, no, I agree there. I mean, if you're asking me, I like the idea of Lane. Because then, if in the interview process. Because Lane reminds me, if you really want the truth, like an early Steve Spurrier who had the offense down pat. It just took him finally learning he needed to hire that defense coordinator to get him over the hump. And Spurrier eventually learned that and hired Bob Stoops as defense coordinator. I think with Lane, you're kind of in that same boat. 
who is his defense coordinator going to be? What is his idea of defense? Which at Auburn, I think with the history we have of defense, you can find that defense coordinator and it could get him over the top. So my vote is I would love to see us kick the tires on if Lane Kiffin's truly interested in the job and going after him. And, and that would be, and we appreciate the phone call, I mean, that would probably be the closest thing to a popular choice that there is out there, you know, among among fans and everything. And as far as forget who it was that called right before the end of the uh, right before the end of the hour, right, and suggested the uh, you know Auburn. I think was it John talking about the leverage that that Auburn, that Auburn could potentially have in negotiations with with Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. I mean, Lane Kiffin has it rolling to the point where you would expect Auburn to have very limited leverage in trying to negotiate a contract if, because Lane Kiffin has the option of wanting to stay if he wanted to. In the case of Hugh Freeze. You know, I imagine if Hugh Freeze is given another opportunity in Power 5 football, like if another program decides to bring Hugh Freeze on, there will be, however you want to look at it, gratitude, uh, you know, a, a, a considerable, like it will, it will be more than just Hugh Freeze taking a job, you would think, because of his journey back to Power 5 football and whoever eventually decides to, uh, to to hire him. I would think that there's there's maybe a little bit more leverage there because oh, there's a lot there's a lot yeah. there's a lot more leverage yeah. there and you'd be able to there and we haven't even gotten into this. I've heard people saying, you know, you've got to tell whoever the coach is that he absolutely has to have Cadillac on the staff. <laughs> You'd lo- now I would love for that to right. be the case. But if you're going after the top candidates that are out there, you're not going to get them if you're telling them from the from the get go you have to have this guy. Exactly. You, uh, you can do that with Hugh, even though he's one of the top candidates, I believe. But you're not going to do it with most. I'll tell you what's striking, too, Bill, is that the people we talk to who follow recruiting re- really, really closely, um, it seems like they're they're all on board with the notion that, especially at a place like Auburn, Hugh Freeze would get players. Like, under, understand, yes, what happened happened at Ole Miss, and wins were eventually taken away because of recruiting violations. But... That was a decade ago, and the world has changed. And Hugh Freeze absolutely understands the importance of having of, of of talent acquisition and talent retention, and what needs to be done to bring those kind of players to your program. Oh yeah, and and, and obviously so does Lane. And um, that's that's the only question I have about some of the names that have been tossed out there. And again, I don't know how viable they are. I don't know how high they are if they're even on John Cohen's list. But he said recruiting. So I'm going to stick with that being a key, key component for the next coach. All right, we got Robbie, Tex, and Keith hanging on. We'll get to all of you when we come back. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take our first break. You are listening to The Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the Monday edition of The Drive. We got callers hanging on. Fun show. We'll try to talk some basketball later on, quite possibly, but right now, a lot, a lot going on in the football program. Let's get to Robbie, who's on the line. What's up, Robbie? Hey, gentlemen. How are y'all? Doing all right. Great to hear from you. Thank you. All right. So, first of all, have you ever heard about uh, making decisions with your heart versus your head? 
Yes, I mean the the, the notion of of trying to trying to make uh, you know analytical versus emotional decisions. Certainly, exactly. And I love Cadillac, but let's be honest. This is about heart versus head. And I, and I, I love Cadillac, but people that all of a sudden want Cadillac to be our coach, I just think that's heart over head. Brian, your your thoughts on Cadillac as a as, as a candidate to be the the permanent coach. I mean, to me, the only thing Cadillac um, lacks is just experience, right? He's only been a college coach for, is it, is this his third or fourth season? I'm, I'm sorry if I don't know the exact answer. I believe this that. is year four for him. So, I mean, that's, that's the only thing. I mean, I think um, he's shown that he can be a leader. He can emotionally connect to the players and the fan base. Uh, some important things he can recruit, obviously. Um, so... You know. And his age, I mean, it, 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 there was a time when his age would have been a, a, a question, but, I mean, he's older than Marcus Freeman, the coach at Notre Dame. Right. He's older than Dan Lanning, the coach yeah. at, at Oregon. So, I mean, they're, they're, because he played in the NFL for when he did. But I also understand how, I mean, the, really, beyond Auburn, very little experience in major college football. Uh, he, he was hired right. from IMG Academy at Auburn. Yeah. You know, I think, I think he's got an extremely bright future wh- wherever – you know, wherever the road takes Cadillac right. Williams, I'm yeah. I'm also you know not sure it's the time for him as the permanent coach. I could be, you know, I I don't know. Could the next two weeks change my mind? You know, I I'm I'm you know may I never say never, uh, but I I can I can understand the folks that that aren't sure now is 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 the right time for Cadillac to ascend yeah. to the job permanently. Yeah, and I've 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 been a season ticket holder since '89, and wow. If they if they hire Urban Meyer, honestly, I'll probably not order tickets next year. <laughs> if you're talking about a guy that quit on Florida, he quit on Ohio State and all of his other baggage. If we if we go there, then we have we have we have gone to the depths. And we, we, there's so many better people we could go. You know, I've, I've had. You're not the first fan that that has that has suggested that they have no interest in cheering for an Urban Meyer led program. To me, yeah, like yeah, not, there are a lot. There are a lot of people. Not the yeah, first person I, to say I, something I, like that. Yeah, I mean, I understand a lot. A lot of folks, like you were saying a while ago, for different reasons. You just don't know what you're going to get from Urban. You don't know if you're going to you'd be able to have him for a few years. I'll say this about Cadillac, though. Cadillac is what Auburn needed right now. And that's something uh, I think that, you know, maybe some Auburn, you know, most Auburn people haven't gone through a midseason coaching change. And you look around, you see that burst of energy. It's great. Uh, it, it's happened in other places. Hey, look, even the, uh, hey, the Phillies were in the World Series this year after making a, a change at the top. Uh, Robbie Thompson's going to get to stick around for a while. But in many cases, that interim head coach, it's almost like a supernova. I mean, it's great and gets everybody energized. But I, I, I think that most people um, can, can hopefully step back a little bit and go, you know, in time, maybe he could be a great head coach. But there's so much more involved than there is just being fired up and having the players into it and playing, playing hard. And it's not just the week of practice. I mean, there is so much more that's involved in being a head coach. But Cadillac is definitely 
a huge asset to Auburn right now. And to the point I made about Dan Lanning and Marcus Freeman being younger than Cadillac Williams, uh, they both have considerably more experience as coordinators in college football before becoming head coaches than than Cadillac Williams did. So I'm I'm also sort of I understand some of the skepticism uh, while at some while at the same time. You know, there's a there's a, a debt of gratitude to what Cadillac Williams uh, has, has done and and what uh, what we got to see on Saturday. But let's uh, do you want to uh, do you want to try to get the text before we take the break? Let's push to the bottom of the yeah, hour break. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and get the text. Text, what's up? Hey guys, uh, good to have an opportunity to call in. Uh, a couple things: if a decision is going to be made on experience, and the next two or three weeks would make a difference. And what your decision would be, I, I think we're looking uh, a little bit different at what most people think Auburn needs. I think it needs to be somebody with some stability. I brought up to Bill early on uh, Urban Meyer for three reasons, and he wears them on his fingers. Uh, he's won before. I think he would be a short-term investment. But I will tell you this. I'm probably the only person that calls this show that's, ever had any experience with John Cohen. He is meticulous. He is thorough. His baseball staffs all had, almost everyone he had under his staffs have become head coaches. He knows how to hire people. And he's not going to be dictated by a big push that's being made now. Uh, By the way, I love Cadillac. I've got a picture that hangs on my wall from 2004. Jason Campbell, Carlos Rogers, yeah. Ronnie Brown, and Cadillac Williams. I bought it, and uh, I was called by the Johnstons. They wanted to buy it back when they all four went in the first round of the NFL draft <laughs> the week after I bought the picture from them. So uh, I love that man, and I think he's a fabulous Auburn man. So you got to find the right guy. I trust people. I trust people who have done it before. You have to trust Cohen, and he's not going to tell you who it is, and he's not going to give you any insight who it is. He's going to be dead quiet until the day that the decision's made. So that's number one. Number two, uh, about uh, Saturday night, Brian, you had mentioned you don't know where it ranks. So I started thinking about that, (laughs) and and I'm just talking about games at Jordan-Hare. I've been a season ticket holder since 1985, a student before then. So... But there was, uh, let's see, I, I would like to throw the 82 Alabama game in, but I can't because uh, that was in Birmingham. That's right. So <laughs> 1989, December 2nd, 1989, I didn't sleep for 48 hours before that game. Yep. It's it, by far the biggest to me ever. Second would be kick six. Third would be the uh, prayer in Jordan-Hare. And fourth would have been Saturday night. I've never been more proud to be an Auburn alumni because everybody you talk to, and I talk to people all over the country, have said, how in the world can a 3-6 and six team do that? Put that many people in the stadium. Now, now what they, about, they finally understand. I got those some more. What about Iron Bowl 93? Uh, yeah, that'd probably be five. Yeah, what about to LSU yeah. 2004? I was going to say, what's the peak Tuberville? What's the peak Tuberville game? So, oh, 06 Florida, Florida. Number one Florida. Oh, oh, 06, 06, well, yeah. you had 06 yeah. Florida. You had Iron Bowls that were significant in that in, in the Tuberville oh, yeah. stretch. There's some good ones. Uh, <laughs> well, most of mine included are, are a little more recent than that. Having attended all those, 
Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite games ever is I can't remember the year was the five interception game. So that was because I got to make I got to make phone calls back to Baton Rouge. I can't remember so. that was either ninth or that was part of that twenty game winning streak. It was either ninth three or ninth four. No, and, and and Tex, yeah. you know, you know, for folks wondering how something like how something like Saturday night happens, you, you just had to be there, right? Like for folk, for yeah, folk, you just exactly. you, you had to be there. Yeah, and just one more quick thing. Words to my ears, Bill. How long? We, how long have you been buying season tickets? Uh, well, not as long as you have, actually. If you've okay. been buying them since '85, <laughs> well, yeah, work, I've, I've only been getting them because my my parents bought them before '89, and I've been buying them since then. Mm-hmm. Well, words to my ears until he said he started buying since 1989. I was hoping he was going to say '79. <laughs> I love when the people in front of me get out. <laughs> it just makes it better for me. Yeah. I don't buy season tickets for the head coach. I buy them because of the Auburn Tigers That's and right. Auburn University. Hey, y'all have a good one. Talk uh, to you later. Great to hear from you again, Tex. Don't it's be a text. stranger. Let's uh, let's take a break. We're, uh, we're 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 up against. We pushed that one back a little bit so uh, so Tex could finish. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. Love to hear from you. We'll be back. You're listening to the drive. Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in hour number two of the Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com here in the studio. Bill joining us via the internet, working from home. Drew at the controls. Uh, before we uh, get back to the phones, busy time at AuburnSports.com. Uh, tell oh. everybody about everything that you and the very capable crew you've uh, surrounded yourself with, uh, what they've, uh, what you guys have been working on. Well, there was a football game, a big one. And, of course, we had plenty of coverage from that, including... You know, videos of Tiger Walk and uh, videos of, of uh, you know, Coach Caddy coming out of the, um, onto the field there in the pregame, although I don't understand why SEC Network and ESPN thought it was important to put a uh, person there with a microphone instead of letting Auburn and Cadillac have their moment, but that's just my opinion. Uh, and I'm not dissing on the reporter. I'm dissing on the people in charge that allowed that to happen. Um Tons of recruiting info. Uh, Auburn had six official visitors and a ton of unofficial visitors here, and we caught up with a lot of them. Um, and, of course, uh, we talked to Caddy, Coach Cat- Cadillac, and uh, Coach Bruce Pearl today. Uh, plenty of basketball coverage. They've got a game against Winthrop tomorrow night. We'll have coverage of that, previews of that, all that and more. And, you know, a big game. Uh, I think it's actually a big game. Western Kentucky, I think it's going to be a competitive game, and I think Auburn needs to play well uh, to win. So that should be a fun um, day at Jordan-Hare Stadium coming up Saturday. And I tell you what, Brian, there's a basketball going on, and Auburn picks up a big commitment, not in size, but in, uh, you know, in, in, in ranking. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not, I've been working hey, them. Holloway is official. Oh, yeah, 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 he oh, signed, yeah, yeah, signed, I'm sorry. You said commitment, I'm like, yeah, what I'm just sorry, happened? I what did I, have, I, have I missed Love something? <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, Aiden Holloway officially signed. Um, a very, very, very talented point guard who is going to be electric to watch. And, and uh, you know how um, 
Bruce Pearl loves his a little undersized type point guards. Well, he's one, but he is just um, he is just supercharged, and I, I cannot wait to see him in an Auburn uniform. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. Let's get to the phone. Is Keith uh, up next? Let's get to Keith. What's up, Keith? Hey, yeah, I just wanted to make a couple of quick comments about Carnell, and then one about the coaching search. Uh, yeah, uh, Carnell has. Um, he seems like he's good for uh, one good running back recruit a year. I mean, at least, and I mean, with the Hunter and Bigsby and um, the freshman and Cobb in the wings, and then they, you know, I guess he could have had Judkins. Uh, so I, I believe I would keep him. <laughs> but uh, the, you know, it, it's uh, pretty cool to see the way that this is being done. I mean, I hope it the it, it, the trend continues. But uh, you know, when you let coaches coach, uh, where I don't know if they had some kind of restraints on them or uh, uh, needed a little extra motivation or whatever. But uh, it seems like, you know, a friend and, uh, you know, on and on, they, uh, they're they really doing good for themselves and uh, and for Auburn right now. I mean, just picking it up. Yeah, they really are. And, um, you know, in regards to Coach Caddy's uh, recruiting, I think when you look at the roster going forward, the running back room and the defensive back secondary room is the strongest because of the way that um, uh, Carnell and uh, Zach Etheridge have recruited those positions. Uh, they've done a great, great job. I think other positions are not as strong as they need to be, and that's going to have to be address, addressed by the new coach. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying they don't have players coming back at other positions, but I'm just saying as far as strengths and some areas that need to be, you know, built up a little bit more. I think that's how Auburn looks going into 2023. Um, and then, uh, you know, just talking about the running game now, man, it, I think it's so good that they're getting back to doing what Auburn does, and that is playing smash mouth, physical, running the ball, getting downhill. I mean, for weeks and weeks, it looked like Auburn couldn't run the ball against anybody. They couldn't get anything going. They'd hand it off to, to Tank or, or Jarquez, and they'd have to dodge two or three guys in the backfield or just get smeared half the time. And then as soon as that happened a few times in the game, they'd completely abandon it and start, you know, tossing around 30, 40, 50 times a game, whatever it is. So. Robbie Ashford seemed a little miscast in the previous incarnation of the offense, too, as far as what he can do and, and, and how he can help the run game as a quarterback yeah. versus sort of trying to, to you know, work on his accuracy Making in him a drop-back quarterback, other than the the one of the best things he does is scramble when he drops back, right? That's so dangerous. It kills other teams when he does that. But trying to make him into a drop-back quarterback is not taking what he does best and building on it, right? It's trying to fit him into a system that, that he doesn't really fit. Yeah, well, I think that any coach, uh, you know, some are, would be better than others, I'm sure, uh, no doubt. But uh, any coach that comes over here and works um, – is a workaholic, and uh, you know I think any of them can recruit, especially uh, if now that we have our NIL thing up to snuff. I mean, if you get out here and beat the bushes, and you get to know these coaches, and uh, and hit Atlanta, uh, you know, I, I think that most most coaches can recruit a good top ten class here yeah. at Auburn. Oh uh, no, I agree a hundred percent. You should Auburn should demand should expect to have a top ten class every year, and sometimes better if they get the right person in charge. The other thing I will say is, um, I'm not well. I'm not going to mention any names at the moment, but there were a number of kids here. Some of them committed to other schools. Some of them very high profile over the weekend. Auburn is poised to get some of these guys if they make the right hire. 
if they put it all together, um, they've got the NIL thing figured out. Uh, I think they've they've got everything just set up for the right guy to come in and start closing on some of these guys. So there's talent that wants to come aboard. There is a chance to turn this class, whatever it is, 45th in the country, 12th in the SEC, something like that. There is a chance to to flip this thing on its head um, going into the early signing period here in the third week of December. And then going forward, of course, you can improve it much, much better. And there's also a chance with the right guy in here, with the NIL support Auburn has now, to go after those top uh, transfer guys right away. And that's why it's important that Auburn make this move as soon after November 26th as possible. You got anything else, Keith? Uh, yeah, um, I just think it's kind of uh, wild that that all these coaches that are having this success with Tennessee and uh, even Lane Kiffin, I mean, uh, they, they're basically doing what Malzahn did when he first came here. I mean, the hurry up, no huddle, running game and – of course, Tennessee's doing it with a passing game, but uh, it's it's they're doing it on the hurry up, no huddle stuff, and doing it better than Malzahn wound well, up doing of, it. I guess both of those places. And we appreciate the phone call, Keith. Both of those places also tell you that you know even though things can seem grim, LSU is an example of this too. You know things can seem adrift in your football program, but if you empower the right guy and he goes and finds the right quarterback, among other positions too, you need you know it's not it's not just, but it is amazing how. The right quarterback added to the equation can can make a huge difference, and the 2013 Auburn Tigers are an example of that from a previous generation of college football. And now you've got at places like Tennessee and Ole Miss and LSU, you've got transfer quarterbacks making a huge impact from the moment they arrive on campus and changing the fortune of places that expect to win. And, and you wonder if that could be the case, depending on on who Auburn empowers going forward. Three three four three two one. 1390, the number to dial. Let's get to the phones. And Mitch is up next. What's up, Mitch? Hey, guys. Down here in the 850, but I want to change the subject just a little bit uh, when it comes to Auburn basketball. Um, Just curious, because we've had a lot of guys taken in the draft lately under Bruce Pearl. Um, I guess I could get on the Internet and search all the teams in the NBA, but where are our guys at right now in the NBA under Bruce Pearl? So so you've got Chuma in Orlando, you've got Jabari in Houston, and you've got Walker in Utah. Uh, Walker's been a fixture of the Utah starting lineup. They're on a sort of a total rebuild, and he's Walker's near the top of the NBA in blocks per game. I believe as a uh, as 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 a rookie. Beyond those three, I don't know if there's another Bruce Pearl player. Um, oh, Okoro. Okoro is yep. in Cleveland. Thank you, Drew. Yep. Uh, Isaac Okoro is still in Cleveland, and, and that's that's a pretty good and team. And then you got Davion Mitchell, who was at Auburn for a year, right? And before he went, kind of cheating. Baylor yeah, yeah, and, and won a national championship there. Great for him. He's with the Kings. Um, now, 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 who was who was who was the point guard we had for like one year? Sharif Cooper. Uh, who I don't, yes. I believe Sharif is in the G League, right? Yeah, he's with Cleveland. He's with Cleveland, but he's not in the NBA right now. He's in the G League. Okay, okay, because I was just like, because I know they they show some pro games, you know, sometimes. Oh, uh, there's one more. You know. One more. JT Thor is oh. with the Hornets. Oh, JT Thor is yep. up and with oh. the Hornets. Okay, yep. 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 JT yep. Thor, okay. thank you. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I was just like, if 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 I'm scrolling through at night and I see an NBA game and. And one of these teams pops up. I would like to watch because they have some Auburn players. Because I'm not that very interested in the NBA unless there's an Auburn player there. So 
that's why I was uh, I was asking and everything. So uh, Jared um, Harper was oh, bat- Jared Harper was battling for an NBA spot for a while. He's in Europe now, uh, and and may you know right. and I don't know if his his story is not over. Uh, he, he is twenty five, and it gets tougher. You know, once you, once you get past twenty five to work your way into the NBA, if you, if you weren't really a fixture beforehand, but as a shooter. Guys come out of nowhere, so I, I wouldn't necessarily close the book on Jared Harper. But he's uh, yeah, he's in the uh, he's in the Spanish uh, he's he's in the Spanish league uh, playing for uh, Valencia uh, among uh, and, and he you know among among some of the other Auburn players. Bryce Brown, I think, is also still playing professional basketball and uh, looking for a an opportunity uh, in in the NBA someday as well. Uh, he's uh, he's he's somewhere in Europe as well. I know, I know Bryce and Jared are both are, bo- are both playing European pro ball right now. Okay. Now, 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 uh, uh, Bill, this is for you. Uh, All right. Kind of a, kind of a, spe- kind of a special day. Um, we lost Mickey, aka the Mule, today in two thousand one. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I miss I, I miss the uh, late night calls I used to get. I was, I was about to say I was about, <laughs> I was about to say you probably got some late night calls from him. Back in the uh, day, yeah, back, back in the day before there was before there was as nearly any uh, the, the internet and social media coverage and things like that. Yeah, that was uh, those were the days. Those were the days. All right, guys. Well, thanks for the info. Uh, uh, rest in peace, Mule and War Eagle, and we'll talk to you guys later. Awesome, appreciate it, Mitch. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. We're going to take a break and come back to wrap things up on the Monday edition of the Drive. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the show. Dan Peck, Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com here in the studio. Bill Cameron joining. We got Bill connected. We do, we do have uh, Bill, Bill. Bill is Bill is here. Been a lively show. Absolutely, been been a fun one. A lot going on. And uh, what tomorrow we'll have a basketball game to preview. Winthrop is in town as as Auburn looks to improve to three and zero on the year. And of course, uh, go ahead. Chance Westry may make his Chance first appearance. Westry, yes. <laughs> Bruce said he could play ten to fifteen minutes, possibly. So that'll be something to watch. Yeah, anything from uh, your media opportunity with Bruce uh, earlier today? I know the Chance Westry Chance, stuff. Um, Taught up Winthrop again, another team that could be dangerous. Give Auburn a you know a fight in here. And of course, mentioned he's really pleased with the defense and you know the shooting and the execution offense has got to come around. Yeah, and, this, and I understand folks that are concerned about what they've seen through the first two games, even though Auburn's 2-0. and That South Florida first half was was touch and go, but even like, even teams that are considered championship contenders have had ups and downs, as Bruce Pearl is quick to point out. Tennessee losing over the weekend to Colorado, uh, and that's a Colorado team that had, that had lost, I think, to Grambling earlier in the season. How about Florida State? Bill, we were talking about that a little bit earlier today. I mean, that, that's Florida State needs to beat the Troy Trojans tonight in Tallahassee, or they're 0-3 Ouch. to start the season, losing to Stetson and UCF last week. It's a Florida State yeah. program that was in the top five pretty recently, and they, you know, I, I, I won't be surprised at all if Scott Cross and the boys go down to uh, go down to Tallahassee and give them a really competitive basketball game tonight. Uh, they're, they're the worst defensive rebounding team in the country. Through the first 
week of the season uh, there in, uh, in in Tallahassee. So there's uh, uh and, and even the team Auburn's going to see Friday night, uh, Texas Southern, they beat Arizona State first yeah. first week of the season. Yeah. So, I mean, th- these things happen and, and the fact that look, you you win and if it's if it's pretty, that's a bonus, right? Well, uh, Bruce thinks that Winthrop is better than South Florida and South Florida gave Auburn a heck of a game until the second half and Auburn went on a nice run. It was still a good game though. Uh, J- Jonai Broom, uh, I know there's some question about yeah. his health, right? What's going on? Uh, he's had some ankle issues that just haven't quite healed up properly, and I think he's limited. And Bruce didn't come out and say one way or the other, but he, it sort of sounds like he, you know, I'm not sure if he's playing or not, but I don't think he's playing a whole lot. I could be wrong on that, but it seems like they want to get him well and back to 100% instead of him going out there and playing at 60% or 70%, whatever it is right now. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number to dial. We're about to wrap things up tomorrow. We'll have Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. We'll have Jake Crane from Crane and Company to talk about everything going on in the world of sports. One more time, Brian AuburnSports.com. Uh, everything you guys do, I appreciate that. Tons of coverage: football, recruiting, basketball, you name it. All there, AuburnSports.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at bmatau. Looking forward to another rundown. Yep, we'll get together tomorrow for that, of course, and continue to blow out the coverage, basketball, recruiting, you name it. And I would in, uh, I would encourage folks, uh, I always think folks should check out the podcast, but especially today, I thought there was a lot of cool stuff we got to talk about with uh, with Brian. John Samuel Schenker joined us at the beginning of the show uh, for Tiger Takes, and he, and he was outstanding as always. Shout out to the Also Brook Law Group for helping uh, put Tiger Takes uh, on the air every single uh, Monday. And, yeah, for Bill Cameron, working from home today, we'll have Bill back in the studio very soon. You back tomorrow, Bill? Uh, I'm planning on Yeah, it. I imagine you'll be back I, tomorrow. I've got to be somewhere here in a couple of minutes, so that's why I was just better to be at the house today. But Out, uh, appreciate it. Outstanding. We'll have Bill Cameron back in the studio tomorrow, but, but great show today. Hopefully you were able to hear it. If not, check out the podcast. Brian Matthews from AuburnSports.com. As always, thank you for your time. Drew at the controls, capable job, great work. All the calls, really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the Monday edition of The Drive. This is Dan Peck signing off. Good night.